Good morning. Normally, I would just jump right into the sermon, but I can't. Because as you know, in Texas, we have a, every two years a pit of vipers that convene in Austin. And they're up to it again. And unfortunately, some of their proposals play well into the sermon this morning. So before we get on with this, I want you to have this in the back of your mind as we contemplate what the scripture that was just read really means, I think. Um, there are two new religious uh, refusal bills that have been filed in the Texas Senate, Senate Bill 1009 and, of course, 1107. And it would allow health care providers to refuse care to members of our community and the LBGQ, anyone that they deem is not aligned with them religiously. Uh, Senate Bill 15 is a preemption bill, which would give would gut the local ability to set policies like paid sick leave. And it was actually given a rush assignment to committee and was uh, uh, given a hearing, actually. And it would gut non-discrimination clauses and protections for the LBGT Texans living in six major cities that are proposing these. House Bill 1035, this is the most poisonous of all called the Religious Refusal Bill, and it's very sweeping. They thought it was going to be dead on arrival because it's so adverse, uh, but it was referred to the Senate Affairs Committee. 1035 is a Free to Believe Act. It creates special rights to discriminate for people who hold anti-LBGQ religious beliefs. It would empower anyone who holds those views to fire or refuse to hire someone, refuse to rent, sell housing to, refuse to serve or sell goods to, refuse to provide health care, and refuse to issue marriage licenses to LBTQ Texans. 1035 even includes a bathroom bill clause. 1107 and uh, Senate and House Bill 1035 would allow health care providers to refuse medical care to LBTQ people and families, with the only exception being life-saving measures. What compassion. 1009 not only would allow government officials to refuse to marry same-sex couples, it would also allow them to discriminate even on the basis of race, religion, or national origin. Think about that as we pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we celebrate the fact that we still get to come together and hear your words. Speak through me. These are not my words, but yours. Speak to everyone today. Touch their hearts and help them realize what is really at stake in our modern community. Amen. You know, we just read Genesis, and it says, take dominion over. You've got complete control. Really? Let's explore that. Matthew 25, 35 through 40 also says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. 
I was sick, but you took care of me. I was in prison, but you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when was it that we saw you hunger or gave you food or you were thirsty and we gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw that you were a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you something to wear? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them and say, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you've done it to me. And their verse is true. You know, just as Matthew said, God expects us to care for those who, for any reason, are powerless to care for themselves. We're called to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, we welcome strangers, we visit people in prison, people who are sick, we try to take care of them, I would hope. But the passage makes it very clear that we're expected to care for the least of these people who are members of our society who cannot do for themselves. We as humans tend to set ourselves outside of and over and above all of nature, don't we? Think about it. Look at development. Now, I'm not speaking against development, but look at all the development. Sometimes without regard to anything but profit and comfort. Not all cultures have this antagonistic attitude towards nature. Generally, indigenous people have found a way to strike a balance to make their existence in their environment, in nature, sustainable. They are not just thinking about the here and now. They're thinking about what will come and what is coming. Now, in general, however, Christianity has not had such a respectable track record on this, have they? We've somehow taken God's command and authorization to d dominate the world as our license to annihilate and to see another use but for our purposes. This is a hard subject for me because I've been guilty of it too. Think about it. Even the most basic cycle that we've looked at today shows that our lives are interconnected with a myriad of other things. We are not an island. What we do affects others and what others do affect us. We're covering over land, chopping down forests, poisoning and destroying homes and habitats of countless species. We're polluting rivers and lakes and other bodies of water that creatures use to drink. One of the basic elements of our existence is water. And with every species that becomes extinct, we cut off the food supply for another species, as well as destroy whatever functions those creatures provided. 
Natural systems are so complex that we can't even begin to truly comprehend them like God intended them to be. We may be created in God's image, but we do not have God's knowledge and wisdom. We all need this natural complexity and biodiversity for even our own existence. Subtly, entertainment and writers have tried to point these things out in very subtle ways. I'm a Star Trek fan. How many remember the voyage home? Hunting a species to extinction is not logical, said Spock. And because of this, the modern-day inhabitants of Earth were, were see, facing annihilation. It seems so fantasy and futuristic, but it's so very true. We cannot replace what God has ordained. It's becoming very clear that our way of living is not sustainable, not the way we're going now. We have human abuse and the amount of Farmable land and safe drinking water, energy resources are all being depleted. In fact, they're saying in 50 years, 80% of the world's oil reserves will be gone. This is not an infinite resource for us. Our world population is increasing in spite of the lack of resources. You know, generally, when a species finds resources dwindling, they slow it down a bit can't over farm you can't overuse the resources and even the most basic organisms of this earth know this we don't 100 years ago we were 1.5 billion people now 100 years later we're over 6 billion now and forecasts say even by moderate estimates we're looking at another 100 years 10 to 12 billion people on earth This is going to be catastrophic. Even if we start to conserve, we might even need the resources of four Earths to exist as we do today. Now, to make situations even worse, situation even worse, uh, global warming, for whatever the cause, is getting worse. Some say. It's natural, heating up from an ice age. Humans are contributing to it. That doesn't matter. The fact is it's happening. And if we in any way contribute to it, even if it is a natural phenomenon, we need to find a way to stop what we're doing that makes it worse. The ramifications of global warming are severe. We lose what land we have to the rising sea levels. We lose the ability to produce more food because certain crops require cold days, fruits, beautiful, wonderful fruits that may not ever be around again. Now, thing is, is the first people to be affected by this are always the poor and powerless. Wait a minute. Our dominion creates poor and powerless people? Yes. And powerless other countless creatures that creep upon the earth. Poor and powerless people have been, have been uh, 
continue to be the victims of environmental and ecological injustices. When we took over, or when Europeans took over the New World, sure, they gave Indians or the nature, or the nat, uh, natural inhabitants of this land, the indigenous people, they gave them lots of land to live on. <laughs> Uh, but just try to get something to grow there. In fact, one of them created a very salty lake. Really? The scraps that we didn't want thrown to the people that were here before us. These are the least that Jesus tells us about. Yet we're going to degrade and violate the powerless and destroy their means for living in order to meet an unquenchable desire of the rich and powerful. Now, it doesn't mean just economically. It just means altogether. If you control all the cards, you win the game. Okay, this is where we bring that sermon back down to us and who we are as a community of faith. Are we the rich and powerful of the world? Many people within the U.S. are just trying to survive. Most of us live a lifestyle that is much more comfortable, convenient, and consumptive and wasteful than the majority of the rest of the world. We live in a great country. And I thank God for that, that we have that opportunity. But our lifestyles are really globally unsustainable. If ever in the world were to live like the typical United States citizen, again, we would need four Earths just to accommodate it all. We don't have enough. We make up only 5% of the population, but we consume 30% of the resources. Very disproportionate. Our thoughtless and overconsumption of energy is mind-boggling by anyone's standards. We rely on the fact that we can walk into a room, flip a switch. There's always light. We get in our cars. There's always a station somewhere to put more fuel in if you're willing to pay the price. Those that are unwilling or unable, well, do the math. Can we honestly justify our comfortable lifestyles and deny life to humans and other beings? other beings. Remember, we're not the only sentient being that God placed on this earth. We're not the only life that is around us. We saw pictures of life that's just outside our door. How many people took stock of that when you drove in today? I'm not here to condemn you, but think about it. How many of you actually took stock in the time to see what we showed our children this morning? Because we take it for granted. It won't always be there. Unlike the most of Earth's population, we're in the position to make choices about how we live. Yes, we have choices. Now, if you fail to recognize the choices that are making that we harm and kill others, that this is the result, and by not choosing to self-regulate our personal energy use, we're choosing to emit dangerous amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. By not choosing to cut back on 
even meat consumption. Think about it. But that's just it. We don't. We don't think about it. Where you, a contest that if you can eat so many ounces of steak in an hour, you don't have to pay for it. Now, I'm not saying be a vegetarian. I'm just saying look at the fact of excess. Excess is a sign of domination. Now, we need to make dramatic changes in the way we live, but also in the way that we live among others. Our mindfulness of the people and the things that live around us. Things that were actually technically placed here before us. We were the last thing that was created according to the creation story. And in that, yes, God said, look, you've got to take care of this. You have dominion over this. Think about what faith communities can do that would call us to care for others and God's creation. Are you mindful of what you're doing in this moment of how it affects everything else? Now, I'm not saying be overly consumed with this, but also don't let it be so foreign to you that you pay no mind. Equally important in the Christian faith tradition is hope. We talk about hope all the time. Now, even though we might not be optimistic about any changes that we can do, I'm just one person. What can I do? What can I do about economic and ecological uh, justice? We believe that a gracious God is with us. We hope for the familiar God's rule on earth. But in order to begin moving people in a way of living that is more loving and sustainable for everything on earth, we need to create a new paradigm, new ways of thinking about how the world really works and how we are called to live in this place called earth. We, as current and future leaders of faith communities, need to help develop creation-friendly theologies, spiritualities, ethics, and even liturgies. We, especially in the Christian tradition, need to challenge our own destructive traditions while building on life-friendly possibilities that are before us. Make that our new traditions within the traditions that we have. I'm going to offer two possible models for this. And they actually come out of our readings today. First, let's look at the Genesis passage again, the one that we use as our domination ticket. God formed the first human and placed him in the Garden of Eden and to till it and to keep it. Now, the Hebrew word for keep is isamar. It has the meaning of to watch over or preserve. Domination but in a little bit different way of thinking from what we think today. As in, when we say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. New way of looking at that one phrase. 
the word for till is isabod. And it's used in connection with the land or soil. It carries with the meaning of tilling or working the ground. But more common meaning of abad is to labor or to do work. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound like dominion to me. Think about it. It means to labor or do work as a servant or slave. Wow, this is sounding even less like dominion to me. What might it mean if the first person's function within God's plan and creation was not only to farm and care for the garden, but also to serve and protect the soil from which it was formed, from which we were formed, dust. We are all dust. From dust we come, and dust we will return. What might it mean for us to serve, protect, preserve this wonderful creation that God has given us to have dominion over? Now, the second model here is for our place in God's creation comes from the passage of Job. Remember Job? <laughs> Gosh, if anybody knew being the upper crust and the bread that falls and the crumbs on the floor, we've got Job. I don't think I need to go back into his story, but a man who knew adversity. Now, in the book of Job, it has a very high view of nature, actually. It's apparent when God's long-winded response to Job's complaints and God answers Job's questions by questioning Job. Sounds like a therapist to me. Well, what do you think? And he questions Job's understanding of what God's workings for creation really were. Because even so soon after creation, relatively speaking for us, people were already starting to skew that vision of where man was in God's creation. In particular, God lives up the amaz lifts up the amazing and unique lives of the inhabitants of wild animals who have nothing to do with humans. They don't normally mix with humans. Stuff at the time that humans knew probably not of them, and they particularly didn't care about us either. Now, this is a picture of the elements and animals that were not harnessed by man for their use. You know, were certain organisms put here to help us, serve us, sustain us? Yes, I believe so. Whether you're vegetarian or not, we have to eat something. These were creatures who were not here for that purpose. And Job 12 advises us to learn from those animals, the birds of the air, the plants of the earth, the fish of the sea, and know that God is the source of every living being. They know. It is ingrained in their makeup. We know, too, it's ingrained in our makeup. However, in our infinite higher intelligence, we tend to skew from that. They worship God by being what God created them to be. Plants and animals have something else to teach us, too. Within their natural ecosystems, they consume only what is necessary and give back what is needed and therefore 
strike a happy balance within the nature that our precious God has created. They have a balanced relationship with every other strand of nature. Think about it. When we let things go, everything seems to balance out. When we get involved for our own purposes, we tend to mess it up royally. Case in point, a long time ago in the deep south, they were having trouble with erosion because they were overplanting and overharvesting the land. Well, off across the Pacific Ocean, all in Japan, there's a thing called a kudzu vine. It grows very rapidly and holds on to the earth and it keeps things from eroding away. So guess what? That's our solution. Not to balance the ecosystem again and quit overusing the resources, but to find a solution somewhere else. But the problem was that was not meant to be in this ecosystem. Yes, it grew very rapidly, so rapidly it choked out everything else. Well, we've got a solution. Why doesn't it do it where we got it from? Well, there's a beetle called the Japanese beetle and it eats the vine and keeps it in check. So guess what? Let's go get the beetles and bring them back. And the beetles, not the group, but the bug, likes tobacco better <laughs> and leaves the kudzu vine alone. Do you see where we're going here? All this came out of greed, a search for excessive profit. Is it wrong to make profits? No. But when you run over somebody, something else to get it, we've got a problem. That's not domination. That's abuse. The problem is when you have a foreign species come into an ecosystem where it was not meant to be, it becomes domineering too. Only there's no malice in its being. It's just doing what it was programmed to do, but in a place it wasn't supposed to be. Are we in a place that we shouldn't be? In the U.S., we worship personal freedom over and against healthy communities. Over national our national interests are over and against global interests. And human interests over and against interests of the vast majority of God's creation. I don't like limitations. Do you? No. I don't like limitations. However, self-restraint is something a little bit different. Adam and Eve didn't like limitations either. One thing, one thing they weren't supposed to do, and what did they do? Went and did it. <laughs> well, you know, he said that we had dominant rule over this beautiful garden. No, that was not what God meant. We as people of faith need to find wise uses for our freedoms. It involves placing wise limitations on ourselves, self-restraint. It doesn't have to be a negative experience. Really, it doesn't. The joy and beauty of God's creation is all that we need to find our place in this world. Think about it. When we go back to what the original Hebrew said, we think of Adam as given a ticket to rule. 
But when we realize what was really said was, you're the gardener. <laughs> gardener does have dominion, don't they? They landscape, they do beautiful things. That's dominion. But in that dominion, there's care. Find an intentional and simpler, more sustainable way of living can lead us to freedom, lead us to grace, lead us to compassion, a slower, more for, uh, focused, less frantic way of life. Got to be here. Got to get there. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to have this. Got... Where does it end? An endless cycle of consumption, overconsumption, and we miss the natural beauty of relationships and a deeper spiritual connection to anything called life. I hate to bring up such a painful thing, but horrible things happen all the time. And this last week in New Zealand, horrible things have happened. And not to give excuses for what the person did, but maybe we should look at why it's being done. Has our overconsumption our struggle to be dominant because God is with me, not you. I'm sorry. God doesn't have sides except his creation or the creation, however you look at God as a gender or not. God's creation is God's side. And fortunately, we're part of that creation. We just kind of got a little bit out of our, our, our pants. We've gotten too big for our riches, people. <laughs> we really have. So you ask yourself, well, so where do we go from here? There's not any one answer to this question. In fact, the answer to the question comes from you yourself. Being mindful of what God says to you through Scripture, not because of Scripture. Now, you say again, I'm just one person. What can I do? Well, with that attitude, not much. Think about it. Most physical and phenomenal changes in our history have generally come from just one person. And I can think of one person who did it with two pieces of wood and three nails. If Jesus were here today, who would he be hanging out with? Now, I know there's the old cliche for those that are the older Baptists say, what would Jesus do? But you know what? Put some mindfulness into that phrase. Because if we ask ourselves, what did Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I think that we would find ourselves relishing the dominion that we have with the care that we should exercise. I want to encourage everyone to consider ways that we can make our own congregations and communities more sustainable and life-affirming. There's too much venom in what we do. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. God may stay the same, but as we've seen here, but God changes everything.
Now, I think we've reached a critical junction in our history. Choices we make today will affect the viability of this earth from here on out. From this day, we are deciding how earth and our communities and our compassion and our dominion is going to go. Which way is it going to go? We're also reminded, particularly in the Easter season, that death does not have the last word. We are reminded by the flowers, the grasses that sprout from bare ground, bright green leaves and buds on lifeless trees at this time of the year, birds who sing and court in preparation of sustaining their species, these are the cycle of life for our, our communities, whether it be Christian, human, animals, vegetable, mineral, whatever. We need to learn to love, serve, and protect all of God's good creation. We may open our hearts and minds and lives to finding our true place within this community called Earth. We are global because creation is global. Think of this. God's mercy endures forever and God's grace abounds limitless, but we still have to account for what we do or don't do. I challenge you this week to be a little more mindful of what goes on around you. We have a rally tomorrow at the Capitol. There are always things going on, especially in the legislative year. Get involved. Search out the truth, not just from one source or two sources. Go and try to find the truth. Develop opinions that are based on reality and compassion and not political sides or religious sides. Remember, we are not different from each other. We're just unique. When you think, or when someone thinks that they are better than someone else, remember, they have two eyes, they have a nose, they have two ears, two, shall I go on? At the root of it, we're the same with uniqueness. Differences separate us, uniquenesses bring us together. And when we forget that, we have what happens in our world today. Some things really don't matter. Choose your priorities. Take your dominion, but remember, in care, we have dominion. So in dominion, we need to have care. Without those two, we become lifeless and void. Don't let that become your testament of being one of God's creations. Care, look around, be mindful. When you're at that stoplight, do you look over and go, oh my, regardless of what this person's choices were, they're out begging? Or do you look over and address the radio? Or worse yet, do you just not even notice that they're there? Amen. For everyone that's here today, I have something for you if you want it. I have these little paper crosses. That they're unique. They're made with all natural paper and dyes that biodegrade. But in each one of these, there are, is a bit of wildflower seeds. 
after the Easter season, after Christ has risen, we celebrate this. I challenge you to take one of these or more if you want. Place them somewhere in your yard where you'll see it every day. These will break down. The seeds will come out next year as a small patch of wildflowers, hopefully in the shape of a cross. But there again, and the thing is, is but if you leave it alone and don't cut them till they go to seed, eventually they will get bigger and bigger and bigger and affect our ecosystem non-adversely. So I'm going to put these on the table at back, and I encourage you to take as many as you'll use or even share with others. Hopefully this will keep you mindful of what we've talked about today.